Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is living and active. Help us to hear what you want to hear, what you want us to hear. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Today I want to talk about developing spiritual toughness. Last time we said we were beginning uh, this this January by talking about some devotions, sharing devotional thoughts to help us get ready for the year ahead. And it occurred to me, uh, as difficult as 2020 was, it, uh, it may be good to talk about spiritual toughness. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 says, Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But the righteous will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we have not, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. All of you who are Navy people are familiar with John Paul Jones. He is often called the father of the United States Navy. Uh, perhaps probably his most famous naval battle took place in 1779 when he was facing a fierce British naval fleet. According to the story, after three hours of battle against the most powerful uh, ships in the world at that time, Jones was on the um, Bonhomme Richard uh, French uh, named ship, and he looked defeated. And the British commander asked him if he was ready to strike his colors and, and, and surrender his ship. Jones famously responded, we have not yet begun to fight. That's toughness. In fact, um, the U.S. Naval Institute, in their Manual for Maintaining Maritime Superiority, defines toughness with John Paul Jones in mind. Toughness, they said, means we can take a hit and keep going. Uh, it's also never ready battery, I guess. But anyway, we can take a hit and keep on going. Um, topping all, re tapping all resources of strength and resilience. We don't give up this ship. We'd never give up our shipmates. We never give up on ourselves. We are never out of the fight. Toughness. Now then, in the Victorian area, toughness was considered a cardinal virtue. But it's kind of fallen on hard times in more recent years here in the United States. It's been noted that in the United States in the last part of the 20th century, we have we have turned to value the softer virtues over the tougher virtues. A hundred years ago, uh, heroes were men like, you know, Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett. When I was growing up, you know, movie stars were like John Wayne, you know, tough guys. Today, elites look at them and point the finger and calling them, you know, 
uh, toxic masculinity. Toughness characterized my grandparents' generation. You can't get through the depression in a world war and become that great generation unless you have developed a character that's tough. My grandparents' generation admired the ability to not give up, to stick with things. They didn't try to protect their children from the pain of the world so much as they prepared their children to endure the difficulties of the world. It occurred to me, I think that bullying is a bad thing. I think we need to do all that we can to discourage bullying. But there was something that happened in the last 20 years where it used to be that like when I grew up, we were taught to how to face bullies, how to toughen up against bullying. In the last 20 years, we've just kind of shamed bullies, you know, and, and rather, than, rather than teaching kids how to, how to be strong in the face of difficulty. My parents, my grandparents' generation and parents' generation taught fearlessness, not security-seeking. They taught their children to admire suffering in meekness, not being expressive emotionally. They taught a pride in patriotism, not a shame of patriotism and the superiority of you know, being a citizen of the world. My grandparents' generation valued turning the other cheek not entitlement to being treated fairly all the time. They believed in tough virtues like duty and honor and modesty and selflessness and sacrifice, refusal to quit, the pride of endurance. Our generation has traded in those virtues and replace them with things like expressiveness and shameless avarice and self-promotion, self-preservation, safety, turning every earned privilege into an eternal right. As we open the year, I think it's time for us to recommit ourselves to spiritual toughness. What would it look like? if God used 2021 to develop a greater level depth of spiritual toughness in you and me. Now, the New Testament of the Bible was written by and for people, a generation of people who definitely needed spiritual toughness. Being a follower of Jesus Christ was not popular in those days. In fact, if you're going to follow Christ, you are going to be persecuted Acts chapter 2 tells us they met together in their homes and in the temple courts day after day. Now, why did they do that? Certainly, they did that because they enjoyed it. Certainly, they did that because it brought glory to God. But part of the reason they did that was because they were being persecuted. They needed the strength that came from being together and encouraging each other daily. Remember, the Apostle Paul was first a Pharisee named Saul. 
as a Pharisee, Saul's responsibility, took the responsibility to persecute the church, to beat it down, to kill the leaders of the early church. He traveled all around, in fact, to, to persecute Christians. He oversaw the killing of the first martyr, Stephen. He was the one who gave authority for Stephen's murder. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, Saul, who later became Paul, agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, dragging off men and women and put them in prison. Let me tell you, the way to endure those times is not to teach, uh, you know, kids greater sensitivity. It's to teach toughness, endurance, character. Imagine this were to happen to new life. Imagine that you're a part of new life and Christian friends are being dragged out and beaten because they worshiped together on Sunday morning, because they got together and, um, and prayed together in their homes. Imagine they lost their jobs because of calling on Christ as Lord. Imagine that they were stoned to death for daring to share Jesus boldly. How would you respond? Would you cower? See, they were, they were tough and said, you know what? We need to meet together for greater strength for prayer. So that's what they did. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, remember the earlier days. You know, the, and they're talking about those early days of persecution. Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened, meaning, it's so funny, we use the word enlightenment now as like the, uh, you know, French enlightenment, the 18th century enlightenment when they threw out God. This is the enlightenment of when you came to know the truth because of knowing Christ. After you'd been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions. At other times, you are companions to those who are treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions. Because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. How would you have responded in those situations? That's a picture of a tough, a group of tough people. You endured hard struggles with suffering. You were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions. At other times, you were companions of those who were treated that way. You didn't run away from them. You weren't ashamed. You weren't afraid to be associated with people who were being persecuted because you were afraid by associating with them that you would receive persecution as well. That's toughness. You sympathized even with prisoners. Why did they do that? Because they had perspective. The 
perspective that leads to toughness. Let me ask you, what causes you to weaken? What kind of suffering and persecution, what kind of opposition causes you to weaken in your character and faith? Fear of criticism? You know, if you stand for God's word, biblical morality, right and wrong, if you stand for Jesus being Lord, there will be people who will criticize you for your beliefs. In school, some kids will not like you. Some kids will not invite you to parties. If you if you make those kinds of stands in college, kids will think you're not cool. You'll have professors who think that you're not that that, that you're not as smart or enlightened. If you do that at work, some of you will be scoffed at. Um, I can tell stories of people that I know who have. Um, some of you may lose a job. You may not get promoted as readily. Now, toughness doesn't mean you develop a martyr complex. Neither does it mean that you look to get into trouble. Neither does it mean that if you get in trouble because, if you get opposed because you're being an idiot, you know, if you're just personally an offensive person, do offensive things that somehow that, that, that you, you know, that say those because I'm following Christ. But if the world hated Jesus, you have to be prepared for the world to sometimes hate you, especially as the world becomes less and less Christian as, as we get further and further into a post-Christian culture. What causes you, does, does fear of criticism cause you to weaken? What about fear of rejection? If you live by godly convictions, if you dare to share Jesus, you can expect that sometime you will be rejected. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And they said, you're the light of the world. And the thing about light is it does show the way, but it also hurts the eyes of people that like to live in darkness. Jesus said, the light has come to the world and people of darkness rather than light. Um, what causes you to not be such bright light? It's time for us to toughen up. What, what else causes you to weaken? Does it fear, fear of loss? It says that they, they lost their possessions. Some lost their lives. If you take a godly stand, you can expect sometimes you're going to lose. Um, you know, the, in this last century, more Christians were martyred for the name of Christ than in all other centuries previously combined. Again, I, sometimes I think, man, if, if people around the world are losing their lives for following Christ, why should I think that I'm somehow privileged not to have to lose anything? I was talking to yesterday to somebody who um, has done a lot of work in China and, and the way the Chinese government is, has cr crashed down on Christians in the last couple of years, it's horrible. And then he was telling me about a, a fellow that he you know, talked to that he's sure has been taken into prison and probably never be heard from again. If people are losing their lives for Christ around the world, shouldn't that be encouragement for us to toughen up? Hey, what have you lost? What have I lost compared to that to stand for Christ? Do you expect to have to be tough in the face of loss for Christ? Or do you expect life to be easy? What fears make you weak? Fear of criticism, rejection, loss, 
Listen again to the encouragement of Hebrews. Don't throw away your confidence. Picking up in verse 35, which has great reward. Don't throw away your confidence in Christ. Toughen up. Be confident. It has great reward. For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, see, the most important thing for us to focus on is what does God want us to do? I need to be obedient to God. And whatever happens to me as a result happens to me. I can't change based on how I think people are going to respond to me, how people are going to treat me. I need to live for an audience of one, to please God, to follow in his will. After you've done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. Man, I want to, how about you? You know what toughens us up? I want to live for the pleasure of God. I want God to be pleased. I want to honor God with my life because I'm going to be dead a lot longer than I'm alive. Ah, that's not right. I'm going to be alive in eternity a lot more, a lot longer than I'm alive here. And what's going to really matter? I tell you, I look back on my high school years and think, man, I wish I could go back and do so many things over again. Man, I look back on my college years and think, man, I wish I could go back and do things over again. I don't want to look back on my life and say, I wish I could do it over again. I want to look back on my life and say, I lived to honor God, no matter what the price. Verse 39, we are not those who draw back and are destroyed. We aren't softies. We're tough. We're of those, we are those of faith and who are saved. Reminds me of the words of Jesus who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the church does not live in a defense, defensive position. We live on the offense. We play offense. And if you want to toughen up, that's the final thing that I want to encourage you. Go on. Don't be defensive. You focus on the pleasure of the Lord, pleasing the Lord, obeying the Lord, playing offense, not defense. I, I don't watch that much NFL football anymore. I've watched a couple of games this year. But um, I, one of the things that used to drive me crazy about the Redskins is that they would take a lead and then get toward the end of the fourth quarter and they would go into what was called a prevent defense. Those of you who are football fans know what I'm talking about. But, but basically the prevent defense is it's to prevent any big plays. Okay, and so it softens the defense to keep the offense in front of them. But inevitable, you know what happened when you play the de prevent defense? You kept giving up yards and you gave up more yards and you gave up more yards until they're on the four-yard line and the other team scores because you played the prevent defense. It didn't prevent anything except us winning the game. And, um, and it's like there are too many Christians Rather than being tough and enduring, we play, pre, we play the pre, prevent defense. We play not to lose. You want to be tough, then you live for the pleasure of God and you say, we're going we're gonna to play the way. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the kingdom of God. Play to win. Hebrews 10, 39 says, Christians, toughen up. We are not of those who shrink back. We play on offense. 
Or as Jesus says, whoever tries to save his life will lose it, but whoever tries to, whoever is willing to lose his life for my sake will find it. Jesus was saying, we don't play defense trying to preserve our own lives, trying to preserve our own happiness, preserve our own safety. We say, what does the Lord want us to do and how can we be bold in living for him? How are you going to live 2021? Spiritually aggressive or spiritually playing not to lose? Spiritually tough or spiritually overly sensitive? We need to be aggressive in saving the lost. We need to aggressively share Christ, pray for people who need to know Christ, share Christ in the opportunities where we find ourselves, defending other Christians and other churches when they are attacked and not shrinking back. I know it's a pet peeve of mine, but sometimes Christians think that they can get on the side of people who are non-Christians by when non-Christians criticize the church or criticize Christians as being hypocritical or or, 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 or making mistakes or whatever, Christians are like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll join them in that criticism of the church and of other Christians because then they'll think better of me. Then they'll, th- they'll think I'm cool too. And they don't. They, I don't know what they think of you, but it's like we're not of those who shrink back. We're not of those who attack fellow Christians. We're of those who are tough and bold. The best way to develop spiritual toughness, of course, is then practice. Understanding we live to please God, you practice. You want to play guitar, you're going to have to develop calluses on your fingers. How do you do that? You got to practice. You want to become a, a, a builder, you're going to have to build calluses on your hands. How do you do that? Practice. You got to work. How are we going to develop toughness spiritually? You got to practice. What's that mean? That means every day you play like you're on the winning team. Every day you play with confidence. Every day you pray with boldness, you live with boldness. Faith is the key. Remember the the reader of Hebrews says in verse 35, don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Faith begins and ends with um, every conversation, every disagreement, every, um, every conflict with this unwavering belief that you have that God is with me. And I just want to listen to what God wants me to hear. I want me to say what God wants me to say. I want to stand where God wants me to stand. I want to be silent where God wants me to be silent. But ultimately, if I walk with God, he will show me what he wants me to say. He will take me where he wants me to go. My confidence is in him to provide, not just in my abilities, not in my preparation, not in me. And so you listen respectfully, but you also respond frankly without, with, with boldness, without timidity, with certainty. Spiritual toughness is not confidence in ourselves. Spiritual toughness in confidence is confidence in God that you are on the winning team that you are being obedient to God and he is with you. Spiritual toughness is knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that his Holy Spirit is within you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That that Jesus' eternal kingdom is the only cause worth living for. 
that eternal things are the only things that matter. And one day, Jesus will return. And on that day, to all who are faithful, to all who are tough, to all who walked with him in obedience, he will say to them, well done, good and faithful servants. But as in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, to the timid, to the weak, to those who cower in fear, there will be no reward. Our confidence is that we are being led by God, following his purposes, and he will provide us. He will, protect, he will provide for us. He will protect us. He will guide us. He will uphold us in every interaction, and then he'll use it to prepare us for the next one. Let me end by reading in Hebrews here one more time. For you need to endure so that after you've done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. That's toughness, living by faith. If he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. Live by faith, live for God's pleasure, and be spiritually aggressive. We are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Heavenly Father, what does it mean for us today to develop toughness, to act in toughness, spiritual toughness, not callousness toward you, but a sensitivity toward you and a callousness toward the fears of Satan in this world. I pray that you would raise up for yourself a generation of tough followers like that first generation of believers that was willing to stand for you because they really believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that all that matters is what is eternal, your kingdom. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I pray that the Holy Spirit will make us tough today and this year. Um, if you found this helpful, maybe you want to share it with somebody else. Um, and, uh, and if not, I hope to, I hope you'll join us next time. Have a great day.